morning, and thank you, Autumn. Autumn said it so well. God has equipped you for whatever God has called you to do. God had a plan from the beginning, and we read it in Scripture, to redeem His people, to deliver them, to rescue them. And God's plan was to use you. And we learn about how our life can be used through the Holy Scriptures, through the people that He shares their story with us. We get to see Moses' life in this sermon series, our forward series, and we're looking at Moses' life to find out how God calls us, how he equips us, how he makes us ready, how we can be enough in his grace. So today we're going to look again at Moses. Last week, Dr. Rainey was here and did an excellent job, not only sharing us the story of scripture and Moses' calling, but in his own life, how God used the church to reach his parents who then reached him. You see, God's plan to move his mission forward is you. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, but what if? I what if God to death. But we're gonna look at the scripture today and we're gonna find ways and answers for our what ifs. And so we're looking at Exodus chapter three and uh, my passage that I'm to focus on during this series is verses three, uh, uh, Exodus three, 11 to 12. But I wanna scoot back just a minute to verse 10 because I love the way we can start this morning with verse 10 before we get into 11 and 12. And this is what Moses was told, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. My people, the Israelites, you are still God's people, and we still need Moses's to deliver his people. And God said, I'm sending you. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Dr. Rainey reminded us last week that so many times the sign, the confirmation of our obedience comes after the obedience. It was very significant for Moses to get to a place of worship. It was very significant for Moses' life to be used to rescue Israelites from Egypt. Moses was on the run. Moses' encounter, if you remember, starts with a burning bush. Crazy thing. Moses could have been viewed as a bit crazy having a conversation with a bush. Now, when I work in my yard, I'm always talking. There's just so much symbolism in my yard that I experience with the Lord. So people could definitely think I was crazy when they drive by my house. It didn't take much, though, to think that. So Moses here... 
might be seen as crazy. In fact, he's thinking, God is crazy. Who am I, is the question he asks. This story about Moses reminds me of another person in history in the United States. Maybe you don't know this person, but his name is George Henderson. And George Henderson is better known in the sports world as Crazy George. He's the man who famously made the world stand up and cheer. Now, I just have to add to this story that the first place this standing up and cheering took place was in October 15th, 1981. My father-in-law's here, he should know this, at the A's-Yankees playoff game. The very first time that George started leading from this undaunting passion and love for the game, he led 25 million people in the stadium to wild roars and cheers of excitement. George was a high school teacher turned cheerleader in this moment. The phenomenon that George started is known as the wave. Can you give me a little wave? Anybody remember the wave? Have you ever done the wave in a stadium? I mean, when I was a little girl, I went to the Cincinnati Reds games just in hopes that they would do the wave when I was there. That was an exciting part of the game. So a group of physicists have determined that the typical wave runs clockwise at a speed of 20 seats per second. And they noted it only takes one persistent leader to inspire just 20 fans and 47,000 people will follow. One leader with strength and courage can cause a tsunami, a wave, a wave of God's glory. In this story today and in this message, I want you to see the connection between wave and the mission of God. Well, as we all know, leadership has its challenges, and George faced some challenges. The North, we're not allowed to say that in our house, but the Wolverines coach demanded that the fad be stopped immediately, claiming that it was a huge distraction and cost them a penalty. Wine, wine, wine. <laughs> Always. But the fans responded to this request by just doing more waves. Silent waves, waves, fast waves, slow waves, and two simultaneous waves traveling in opposite directions. Now that's persistence. The Australian cricket VIP members believe they were far too sophisticated for such nonsense and refused to participate. And so when the wave approached their section, there was silence. Then after a brief pause, the fans booed and then resumed the wave. And even when the VIP section was under construction and there were no participants sitting in those seats, they still allowed the silence, the fans booed, and continued the wave. God is inviting us to participate in his wave of glory that began in the scriptures way back with Moses. A leader who was hiding and on the run. God 
teaches us through Moses' life that you are equipped for that which God calls you because God's grace equips you. God won't ask you to go where his grace cannot take you. God won't call you to serve him in such a way that his grace isn't enough. Or to say that God's grace runs out or that God's grace was once active back then in this church that began with a rich history in the basement of the Hawk family. Or to say that that grace was back then on, in Pisgah where the church gathered. Or that we, we possess the land here and to say that God's grace is not still moving like a wave is to say, is to diminish his grace. God and his grace is inviting us still today to participate in this wave of glory. See, we can do what God calls us to do because his grace equips us to do that. And to be equipped means that God will provide us what is necessary or appropriate for a particular task. When I first held that baby in my arms 20 years ago, I thought, oh, I'm not sure. I'm equipped for this, God. Are you good with one? Can, can one kid, maybe I could do that. God equips us, but it's through God's grace. We can what if God to death, and I'm guilty of that, and Moses could have too. Moses may have been thinking, but I'm a murderer. And God's thinking, and I am full of grace. Moses may have been thinking, I've been hiding, remember, to protect my life. And God may be thinking, and I am your deliverer, the God of rescue, the God who redeems and restores, the God who does what you don't think is possible. That's who I am. Through Moses' life, we can see that God uses your whole life as preparation for the ways God wants you to partner with God and his mission. Your life experiences equip you. We work really hard to come up with vision statements and mission statements, but here's the truth of it. We were given a mission. It's never changed. It's to participate with God in the work he's already doing that he set in motion years and years ago. Moses was called by God after a period of the Israelites waiting 430 long years. And finally, scripture says, and God heard their oppression and God had concern for them God still hears us. He still has concern for you, your life, the people around you, but he's not without a plan. He has a mission and he wants to move it forward and in his grace he invites us to participate. Isn't that amazing that he wants us? It doesn't matter, our, our past does not disqualify us. 
We're not unprepared without his grace and mercy to be equipped for all that he calls us to do. I'm living that like right now in this moment. (laughs) All week, I wanted to just like call Alex and say, nope, can't do it. You got it, bud. You can do it. God wouldn't let me because he wanted me to have to have my life experiences to live out the ways that God equips us so that I can be a witness to those around me. You don't know who's watching you and God equips you for all of those moments. We're not all equipped the same. He equips us with his spirit he equips us with his word. Second Timothy 3.17 says, all scripture is God-breathed so that we may be complete and fully equipped for every good work. It doesn't matter whether you're six or 96. God is still in the business of calling you and equipping you. Yesterday, I was with a group of ladies in Xenia, Ohio, and we talked about women of influence, and I shared some of this. It was great that it worked out that it could be some of the same message. But you know what? As we shared around the tables, about 70 women there, there was something common I heard when I asked them to share the influences in their lives. And most all of those stories came from people in the church. And many of those stories came from grandparents. And it just reminded me, it doesn't matter our age and whether it was their grandparent or somebody else's grandparent. And it didn't matter when they started hearing these stories because every child needs to start hearing these at an early age. But God doesn't equip us all, um, maybe sometimes exactly the same in specific ways. And scripture shows us that. We all are called and equipped for the mission, to move the mission forward. But there are different ways that scripture teaches us. And so Romans 12, six to eight says, for each of us has one body with many members. I am so grateful that I don't have to have it all to serve God that it's not all up to me, that together we move the mission forward. Together the church moves the mission forward. And Romans says that all of these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to the others and we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Oh, please do. We need more prophesying people. If your gift is serving, then serve with glad and sincere hearts. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If you are called to lead, you will need diligence. Look at Moses' life. Moses had a whole lot more to be afraid of than what he thought. And it was his diligence that helped him do that. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Do we need more cheer around us? See, there's no task too small. 
that God's grace does not breathe into. And we get to participate in that. What if we were like Moses and like I do sometimes when God calls me to certain tasks? Um, and we what if him? Well, what if they don't listen? Well, what if no one follows? Well, what if no one shows up? Well, what if I fail? Well, what if I look stupid? Well, what if I don't speak right? What if I stutter? Do you see his life and how God constantly sent him? It was through people. God used people. And so we can be like Moses. Instead of kind of going along and doing our own thing and ignoring, we need to yield to the burning bushes that God puts in our way. Ah, that looks crazy sometimes. People might think you're crazy. So many times I've said to a friend, I think this might be a crazy thing, but I feel like God's talking to me about this. Or I'll just call somebody. I, it's gonna be crazy, but I feel like God said I need to reach out to you today. God, what if they think I'm like weird? <laughs> well, they already do, so that's okay. See, we're making it about ourselves. The question is not what Moses asks in Exodus 3.11. He says, who am I? The question isn't who am I, the question should be, who is your God? Your God is an all-equipping God. Because when you become a believer in Jesus and you yield your life to him like Moses yielded to that burning bush and had a conversation with God, had a prayer with God, that's what prayer is, conversation. God's spirit enters in you and his character begins to equip you on our own. We don't have enough love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We need the Lord. We need his spirit in us, and he promises us. He says, I will be with you. If he asks you to go ahead and make those cookies and take them to the neighbor that you don't know, and we just don't do that anymore. Like, that's kind of an odd thing to do today. And he will go with you. You are not alone. If he calls you, he will equip you to whatever the particular task it is. In the process of equipping, we learn lessons. And Moses certainly learned lessons. And when, and when the, um, God said to Moses, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. The worship came after the obedience. And Scott reminded of us that last week. We're not always going to see where we're going or the results immediately. But after the obedience, I believe that the process of being obedient and taking the next step and the next step is part of God helping us to learn who we are meant to be. Our whole life experiences prepare us Equip us. Look at Moses' life. He had a heart of a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew. Yet, he was raised an Egyptian. Who better to go back and gather God's people, the Hebrews, from the Egyptians than Moses? 
God equips us and uses our whole life. You can look back. You may be able to see where you are today and how God used you in step by step and gave you opportunities. Are you like Moses, walking around, kind of doing your own thing? Or are you realizing who you really are in the grace of God? I have to warn you, saying yes to God in your vocation, in your service in the church, in your community life, may have potential traps. All leaders, all who say yes, are faced with potential traps because we have an enemy and it's not flesh and blood. And we see in Moses' life, the whole reason why God needed to send Moses was because Pharaoh had gotten their leader, who we don't even know his name, we just know him by Pharaoh, king. Pharaoh had become so frightened of the Israelites. They were populating so much. He was fearful that they were gonna take over because what? he would lose his power. Because he, he was leading from a place of authority and not a place of the heart of God. And when that happens, there are potential traps and the people, Moses' plan as this authoritative leader was to silence them. Watch out for that. If you feel God's call and you feel God's equipping to a particular task and ask some people around you, make sure. Watch for the traps that will try to silence you. Watch for the traps like Pharaoh did here, where he tried to decrease their influence. And watch for the traps that just flat out try to kill you, to kill your presence. Because God wants to use your very presence, just being present, to move God's mission forward. You showed up today. I am so glad. Do you know that your presence here is actually doing something? That each week when you show up to church, there's actually something taking place. It's you coming in saying, Lord, here I am. I don't have what I need, but I trust you to supply. It's this rhythm that we as believers should be in of communing together with God and one another and being sent out to the world again. It's communion and mission and communion and mission. It's a beautiful rhythm and it's God's plan. In Acts 1.8, he says, now, before he leaves his disciples and they say, well, where, where, where's the kingdom, God? Where? And he's saying, I have a plan. If you interviewed Jesus on his strategies for mission movement building, as many leaders would want to do, his answer would be this, well, I've got these 12 guys. Hey Jesus, what was your plan to like save the world? And his answer's, I got these 12 guys. And what a motley crew they were. 
And even they didn't always get the vision of the mission. And it wasn't even until after Jesus left, but in Acts 1.8, he says, now you will receive power through the power of the Holy Spirit to move the mission forward in whatever way he's calling you because he equips you. Just as God equipped Moses, just as God equipped the apostles, just as God equipped the people who were just crazy enough that they could possess this land one day and build a church here, God is still calling and equipping us. You see, I'm sure you're aware the church and the community around you still need people to say, I'm ready. I'm ready to move the mission forward. You may be, like some of the people in my church where I grew up, God through the church saved my life. And then not only saved me and loved me into the kingdom, helping me to find, know, and love Jesus, but they taught me what it looked like to be a person equipped to do that. You know, Francis Allen drove my school bus, and Francis Allen held babies in the nursery on Sundays and sang in the choir. Mary Jane Dean, the wife of the local hardware store owner, taught my first grade Sunday school class. She was just crazy enough to believe that she could sit with a group of girls and tell them that Jesus loved them and maybe they'd believe it. And when Princess Diana got married and she showed us the picture of Time magazine and the cover with Diana and her long dress and she told us, you are God's princess. I was just crazy to believe her. Steve Hamilton was just crazy enough to believe he could be a high school biology teacher who made an impact on students' lives and coach really poor runners like me in cross country and be the Sunday school superintendent of the church and be my neighbor and invite me to their tables so I could see what it looked like for a husband to love his wife. Irma Phillips was just crazy enough to believe at the Bethel Church of the Nazarene that her son with special needs who was otherly abled needed a Sunday school class. And, and that maybe if she started a Sunday school class for her son, that more children like him would come. And people were just crazy enough to follow her. And, and she had a class every Sunday filled with otherly abled students who were hearing that they could find, know, and love Jesus, and that their life mattered too, and that they were called to be a part of the story of moving the mission forward. You see, it doesn't matter our abilities. God equips us with a smile, a hello, a how are you, how can I help you? God's people are still called today to move the mission forward. 
this forward team and the staff, we're not trying to hide the point of the sermon series. We really do want everyone who sits in the series to begin to think about and maybe have a new imagination for the ways God might be equipping them and calling them and making them ready to move the mission forward. Wherever you are, I know, I know, I know, I know you all are doing this already because I see it, I hear it, I've experienced it. You've helped move the mission forward in my life in many ways that you probably aren't even aware. And I'm certain that in your classrooms, in your offices, you see, we're, we're not just thinking that this focus will help us to serve, to get people to go to the I'm ready button and check to help Pastor Teresa in the outreach program, which we hope it does or that we say we want to connect with Lim Shimkins and help more people in the language classes, which we hope it does. But we want you to receive this message and this calling, this equipping, believe it in the places you're already at work in the world. You're already living on mission. But sometimes when we take the time to really believe that we are equipped for this, which God has called us, we are more effective in doing that. And Moses needed that. And Moses' experience with God and the process of being equipped to lead the people helped Moses know who he was meant to be. Child of God. Chosen to move the mission forward. How did I know to give generously? You showed me. The church, little country Bethel Church of the Nazarene. How did I know to desire to marry a godly husband who would love God and love me the way Christ loved the church? You showed me. The church. How did I know to raise my children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? You showed me the church. How did I know that no matter what trial would come my way, God would never leave me or forsake me? Oh, I know, Margaret Newkirk because I've heard her testimony 30 times. Every Wednesday night there was a chance and she showed me the church. God is still calling us today. I want you to hear the end of um, this wave metaphor that I'm sharing with you today. Crazy George had no idea, I'm sure of it, over 40 years ago when he started the wave as a way to get fans to actually participate in cheering on the mission of the team instead of being silent spectators and sitting in their seats prim and proper, afraid to do crazy things. George had no idea that years later, the Iowa Hawkeyes, would take the wave to a whole new level. The Iowa Hawkeyes, at the end of the first quarter, players step out onto the field 
and fans from both sides stand to their feet and turn towards Iowa Children's Hospital. This is the wave. They use their cell phones to shine their best wishes to children and parents, patients who are struggling. They shine their light to remind them of the hope that they can find in people. People, that's God's plan for moving his mission forward. It's you, it's me. Are you ready? Are you willing to say yes? We are cheering you on. You are still called today to participate in the wave of glory that is covering the earth. God is not silent. God has not turned his ear to us. God is leaning in and listening. And just like the Israelites, he hears your cry. And you know what he's saying? You, you are how we're gonna accomplish this mission. Are you ready?